Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I've just finished my Heineken and I'm not well, so I'd better listen to part four of the Really 007 Skyfall episode. Really 007. We then, like you say, it's, it's all wrapped up perhaps a bit too quickly, but perhaps that's uh, deliberate. The audience, of course, don't know that at this point, that Silver wanted to get caught. He's then in this prison, isn't he? Which is that a bit like Sons of the Lambs? <laughs> but more, perhaps more X Men at the end, the prison at the end of X Men. Do you it. like that that set, Chris? The scene is a little bit odd because it's you know the set is, is I've seen that set a thousand you know like hundreds of times in films. Yeah. It's just you know it's nothing original. But Javier Bardem's performance, I feel sorry for him. I, I, I have genuine. You know, a pity for that character. We, mm. you know, he pulls out that he, you know, his teeth, his jaw, whatever, and he shows the scars. But then at the same time, Bond is just stood there looking at him, going, I "Don't know, he sort of shrugs." <laughs> it's just like it's, yeah. it, there's no emotional connection there. Like that, Bond is. You know, would would have been interesting is Bond going. I understand that. I understand you being used by your government. I understand you being used by um I understand that's where the connection between the character could could have been interesting. But I cannot falter Javier Bardem's performance and and, and, and I think he's he's, he's genuinely the, the, one of the, the highlights of this film. Yeah, it's it's a mixture of obviously the Dark Knight and the Joker being interrogated. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of Magneto in there as well. There's a lot of David Blaine as well. Remember when David? <laughs> you know, we get the glass jar over the tent. It's not just that though. There's a bit in it where he actually starts doing like yoga in it. Like he starts like crossing yeah, yeah. his legs yeah, and stuff with these gorgeous, yeah, these like yeah. gorgeous Velcro trainers on. Like he's got from Clark's, yeah, and he's, you know, I, I just, I remember looking at it, going like, MI6 what, why, did you, 
He's just channeling his, uh, his David Blaine. He's 40 days in a box. But as <laughs> getting back to the serious point, yeah, he chews, he just chews it up, doesn't he? He's just unbelievable. You know, you, you, you're entranced by what he's saying. You're taken in by the story. You feel sympathy towards him. And that is where I will defend Silver compared to the Joker. Because whilst I do think there is that chaos aspect of it, Silver has a backstory as why he's chaotic. It's a revenge aspect of it. He's been made that. The point of the Joker is that we don't know that. It's that he is just an agent of chaos. But there is a reason for Silver's way. So it isn't an exact rip-off, and I will will defend him on that. I was going to suggest it was very similar to the other villain in The Dark Knight. When he takes out his thing to to remove his thing, it's pretty two-faced, isn't it? And the fact that his voice goes deeper for some reason. I thought that was quite two-faced, the way it was done. Uh, again, we're may- maybe we're yeah. catching straws here. I don't know. No, but I, I, no, I thought I it was more two-faced than Joker. Yeah. In the hospital scene, you, you know what I mean? In, uh, in yeah, the Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why his voice suddenly goes deeper and robotic when he takes out that thing. But it, it, Presumably because the makeup of his mouth and jaw and everything is uh, is completely altered. And his throat. Yeah. Well, I know, but but it's only if I, I know. No, no it doesn't. His throat because the that that you know the thing that he's got in wouldn't wouldn't change that. I, I thought when it, when he when he fight. does that when he when he pulls out the the thing from his from his mouth and jaw, it was again that was quite a shocking moment in the, yeah. in the cinema and also a good yeah. a good interesting way of doing a Bond villain with a disfigurement but without you know there's a reason for it and. Yeah. And I know, I know, I know the writers. Well, I assume the writers and everything, and the audience won't have been thinking of that. But when he says that he had his, you know, cyanide in his back molar and stuff, I always think about when, uh, you know, in in Dying of the Day, he's, <laughs> he's captured at the, uh, no, he's captured at the start. You know, Pierce Brosnan with that long, probable wig and the beard, and, oh, yeah. and, <laughs> and, and uh, M talks to him, and, and she's Robinson, like, you, know, you had your cyanide. Like threw it away years ago, you know, but I don't know. I just remember that, that that is something that an MI6 agent, MI, MI, MI6 agent, yeah. would do. You know, yeah, it's yeah. good. It fits yeah, in I, nicely I, uh, with the reason why he's hating M as well, of course, doesn't it? it oh yeah, yeah it does. It does. Absolutely, yeah. And John's spot on in terms of the comparison with the Joker because, yeah, the Joker deliberately has no backstory. This this is an interesting backstory, and like you say, you do empathise with with him maybe not what he does as a result of of all that but uh yeah and uh, also interesting chris yeah I, uh, they, they don't react that much to what he says and does or you know particularly mm-hmm. when he i don't know whether that's to show their steeliness and their resolve and everything but yeah <laughs> it's poor direction that would have been I just, think, I just think that that that, that would have been really interesting. Is that, that that you're just a cutaway to Bond, who's for a minute is doubting, you know, his, his allegiance to to, to M. Just for a second, yeah. goes, yeah. I'd been out there in the field yeah. and felt left and 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 being, you know, kind of, you know, I could have put, that could have been me essentially. It, but he never does that. He just he just stands there in his suit and kind of like shrugs, and then they, they sort of leave the scene. And again, it's just it's these little bits that that is you know ultimately a little bit frustrating. But yeah, I think he's I think he's it's a great scene, and 
I think um, it does add to, to to making M a bit more interesting. I think it makes M someone who isn't actually likable and someone who does see you know these people as just commodities you know just as as means they don't she doesn't really see you know bond as a real person it is a similar obviously similar plot a bit to goldeneye here and the scene where in the statue the gorgeous statue scene with trevelyan appears doesn't say spoiler alert uh, lien's cossack and all that yanis the two-faced roman guard and all that brosnan's rea- brosnan gets much more to chew on doesn't he in that scene as a reaction and he's pretty angered, isn't he? Yeah. But obviously more of the thrust of this is with M, so we don't quite see perhaps as much as we'd like to Bond's reaction to this betrayal. At the end of the day, he has killed quite a few people and important people to, that Bond will presumably know at some point. And it's an attack on it's attack on the whole British institution as well. So, yeah, I think it would have been nice just to show a bit more, a bit more anger even, never mind sympathy. Or at least, um, yeah, and he's killed in that. Just killed Severine as well. Yeah, well, yeah, we we know he's not that bothered about that. <laughs> he he just got a piece of tail, didn't he? In a shower, so he's, <laughs> he got what he wanted. Didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Cutting about the scotch, M, a ball of scotch. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a joke about M's height, isn't there? In there, which is quite harrowing. Poor little Judy Dench. M says that. His name, of course, Thiago Rodriguez, sounds like uh, a signing from uh, Atletico Madrid yeah. and from one of the well, English clubs you, in the Premier League. If you um, if you put his two, you know, Thiago Silva is, of course, the, the like Brazil captain really signed for Chelsea. Um, I, I found that strange. I, I, I've always found this strange. <laughs> he's, he's known as Raul Silva, which is like a very Spanish name. His real name is actually Thiago Rodriguez, just a different sounding Spanish yeah. name. I don't know why. I, found, I just found that a bit like pointless. It, I, I like the way she, she does give it a bit of a Spanish, uh, you know, the, the yeah, way she cool. pronounces it. Flourish. Her name is Tiago Rodriguez. Uh, it's yeah. not quite that much, but... <laughs> yeah, but I've, I've, I've always... Did any of you get that? John Smith. Or He's James Bond and James Sinjin Smythe. <laughs> Sinjin Smythe Sinjin James Scott London <laughs> Yeah so M gave up this Rodriguez chap uh, for six other agents which links it back to the killing of these well yeah the killing of the six agents right so then we move on to Q Branch becomes the sort of mobile command centre a bit like, I'm sorry again, Lucius Fox, isn't it, with the, the VR ending of The Dark Knight? Uh, in a way, <laughs> come on, you must, you know, you don't. I mean, it is. No, I didn't. It's bad, you know. But, yeah, no, okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's bizarre, so many different uh, things that. Bizarre retro. I'm trying here. I'm trying. I'm not, I guess it's not a criticism, just, just what came into my head, you know. I've put out bizarre retro guitar music uh, for some reason. Yeah. Q's in this this cardigan. He's he's made to look clever, and then no sooner has he been made to look clever, he oh shit, uh, because silver silver has hacked the MI six. He's <laughs> he's made to look clever, but it's Bond who uh, cracks the code. Although it is the code that um, yeah. Zoning on that. What does he say? You know. Pushing on that, yeah. Grambra. Grambra. Grambra Road, that's an old tube station, you know. Yeah, Bond actually cracks it, even though Q's a genius. Sorry, John. And 
No, no, I'm just riffing on what you said, and it just emphasizes again to me of how rubbish a secret agent Bond has been throughout this film. That actually Bond is yet again into the hands of Silver. I mean, he he literally does nothing right in this film. Like golfing, (laughs) enough. Yeah, he fumbles his way through like golfing, yeah. Bless him. You do feel sorry for him this film, I (laughs) think. Okay, so there's a heck of a lot to sort of discuss because it's all going on there at the same time. We've got the mobile command center in, you know, the underground MI6 HQ. We've got the MI6 inquest, and we've got Silver's escape all going at the same time. So obviously, it's quite quite difficult to to motor through. Obviously, both Mendes's films have an MI6 inquest. I'm not sure we needed two of them, but this one is sort of very glorious English building. Helen McCrory is playing the adjudicator, the, the, the chair chairperson, and she, of course, is married to Damien Lewis, who was at one point uh, thought of as a Bond in the, well, maybe the post-Brosnan era. Big fan of Damien Lewis, but anyway. We'll give Damien Lewis the light of day on another episode, perhaps, for the Bonds that didn't <laughs> make it. <laughs> one of the things we, we can't... I mean, it's been criticised before, is that for all this to go to Silver's plan, it's so unlikely, isn't it, that everybody would have been in the right place at the right time. He would. I'll let you... I'll, don't worry, I'll let you come back, John. I'll let you come back. Uh, this, is, this is me speaking. These, these, these are the, this is the audience speaking. I'm just getting ready. I'm just getting ready. Yeah, yeah. And I know the argument partly is we suspend disbelief, but the criticisms would be that there must be loads of other people in on the scheme. There must be, in order for him to carry it out. Obviously, then there's the argument, how did he know that the that the train would come down and chase Bob? Anyway, we'll, we'll get onto that in, when, when we do. But go on, go on, John, go on. I'll give John a, John a, a pass at this one. Uh, I, I can't disagree. I can't disagree with the contrivances. But why was Sheriff W. Pepper in the middle of Thailand on a boat, you know, and and then helping, uh, and then helping Bond, you know? I don't know, but I'm glad he was. No, exactly. The pro, the point is, is that you can go through every single Bond film and question reality and contrivances of that. Even, in fact, the only one I'd say you can't is from Russia with Love. Even Majesty's oh. Secret Service which, like, is an incredibly well-made film, there are two fundamental plot holes for me that I'm not going to go on about until we get to it, but I I think sometimes, because it's such a well-made film, it gets a bit of a free pass in that area compared to some of this stuff with Skyfall. What I do think with this thing is, is that this now, to me, is prime bond. Of the 21st century, this next... 25 minutes are the best scenes in any Bond film from the last from the 21st century. That for me, I adore this now. This is phenomenal for me, and I will defend this to kingdom come. I can see the faces on the screens mean that there's going to be a lot of people coming back <laughs> at me with this. It's a hill upon but, which John will die. But we have got the monorails, we have got the inquiry, we have got silver just chewing up the scenery just superb in this bit now we have got daniel craig sliding down an elevator and doing the most incredible <laughs> landing and carry on running i mean that i i am so impressed by that. he gets a point for that alone 
I yeah. I adore this now, and I it, it the energy pumps up, and to the point where I just think I'm going to give this a pass. I'm going to let go of the issues with this, and I'm going to enjoy this because this is the kind of thing that I went to the cinema to watch James Bond for. I I, uh, I do agree with a lot of what you said, John, and uh, I'll mention it in a sec. But <coughs> just mind, I in but. terms of plot holes, I'm 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 someone who I'm not that bothered really. I try I don't I'm, I don't get great pleasure out of trying to unpick and well, what if this would have happened and what if what if this would have happened. <laughs> I think this is a little bit. It's it's pushing for me. It's just pushing a bit too flimsy that you you know he's had it year, years in the planning and you're a bit like. I don't quite know why he's done this. What? What? I, what? I don't know actually why he wanted to get caught in the end because he wanted to kill M, but he, he wanted to get why break out kill, and then he could kill her at the inquiry. I don't, I, I don't quite yeah. understand why he's done it. And also, my chief criticism is, of it is, and you know, you get, I'm just a broken record. It's a rip off of the Dark Knight for me. It's it's a real rip off of the Dark Knight. And you know, <laughs> the Joker wanted us to, you know, wanted to get caught. He wanted us to lock him up in the MCU. It's it's too much. It's it's too similar for me. And 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 then the yeah, it is. He, he then has he then dresses up <laughs> as a policeman in the Dark Knight. The Joker dresses up as a policeman to assassinate, try to assassinate the mayor. You know, when Gordon takes the bullet. There's too much. That that those are the drawbacks for me. However, I will say um, I like the uh, I like the sort of underground. I'm a big fan now of sort of action or chase sequences where there are crowds and the crowds are obviously possibly in danger, but they don't know it and they know they know nothing about what what's going on. And also, it, it sort of harks back a teeny bit to you know like the French Connection, that lovely crisp scene where he's. Gene Hackman's chasing after the uh, I've forgotten his name the the drug dealer and then he, he cottons on and so he keeps getting off and on to, to show that Gene Hackman's clearly following him it is Gene it is Gene Hackman that's following them it's, yeah, yeah. it's not Roy Scheid but anyway I, I don't know I just like I like these scenes where there are people there's one person following another and then you know you don't know whether they're onto them or not and I don't, it, it's it's really good and like I say scenes in public I, I just absolutely love them I, no I completely agree the tension that, that that builds up in that sort of that I suppose that that reel with you know Bond chasing after Silver with the hearing with you know the, the, there's all these elements and it's it's so well ed- edited it, it cross cuts so well to bring up the tension yeah I think I think that I think the, the danger of of of, of the, the you know the, the general public to see Bond in London running around to be on the tube it is it is it's fun it is great to see him there and you know it's a proper you know this is what we've always what's sort of almost what we've wanted. But I think, I think, yeah, I, th- I think that the, there is, you know, it does have its, yeah, I don't know, I think, I think it, 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 no, I, no, I, I know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it back. I'm gonna say this is, this is, this is, this is a really good scene. It's maybe not believable in terms of the plot and who needs to be what, who needs to be where at what, what stage. But you know, it's a great scene and it plays really well. The music, for, for me, I think the music is sort of lets it down. I would like to have more kind of the Bond thing in this, you know, particularly where Bond is running towards, you know, the hearing, you know, Whitehall or what, where, what have you, and he is 
that should be a moment. That should be his Bond running through the streets of London. You know, where's the Bond music? Where is where is the hero shot? Where is this? This this should be it, and it doesn't. And that's what's sort of slightly frustrating. But I think it is a great scene. Play it's really really well edited, and it plays out really well. Again, when we watched it at the cinema, the audience were enthralled. It's the kind of scene that everyone's on the edge of the seat, and people will remember. Okay, it might be a bit of a copy off the Dark Knight, but people will remember the visual imagery of uh, Silver in the police outfit, won't they? It's a, it's an iconic scene, I admit, and it's really well directed, really well edited. Newman perhaps isn't quite up to snuff with the action, as we've already said. There's, ah, you like this? You like this? Quite some John Glenn style reactions from the. The, the punters on the train, the commuters, because when Bond, of course, gets and jumps onto the back of the train, there's like the like the old women on Octopussy when the car is propelled into the river. It's a bit like that, which I quite liked. Totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. The disguise is meant. It's meant to be disguise. The policeman is meant to be disguise, but then Q almost immediately picks him up on the CCTV, so it wasn't particularly effective. But was he trying to be followed? Again, it was all part of his plan. He was in disguise, but he wanted to be recognised. Because <laughs> he wants Bond to follow him to this uh, abandoned area of the underground in order to be chased by a train. Now, has any of you seen the Leslie Nielsen vehicle wrongfully accused? Because they, they take the pick out of the fugitive on that. They take the pick yeah. out of the fugitive. And there's a bit where, because it's spoofing the scene when the, the big escape in the future when Harrison Ford gets off the train and it's like he goes into the woods and the train follows him and hides behind trees <laughs> <laughs> so I, that, that ruined that scene for me on this particular viewing because I was just thinking of Silver's like oh this this train's going to be chasing you look out he's behind you oh there he is yeah <laughs> no I get I get you, oh John I I'll let, I'll, get. go on Chris no I get because because if this was you know like if this was, you know, uh, the man with the golden gun, I get that there are plot holes. I get that why is this character here? Because there's a car that's just corkscrewed across the river. But with 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 Skyfall, it's trying to be grounded. It's trying to be, you know, it's, it's trying to be realistic and very kind of, you know, whether whether you whether you argue it's, you know, the Dark Knight or the Bourne films, it's trying to be very sort of grounded and, and realistic so when you do have those scenes where it's like oh hang on a second so what had to happen in place for this person to be here at this time for this to happen you know you can pick away at it and it, it becomes it falls apart yeah I think- if you get behind it if you if, if, if you feel that you you get you know you you sort of and that's what happened with me when i first watched it i was i was completely swept away with the drama and it's yeah. only when you watch it again you think Hang on a second, you know, like I've seen, you know, David Finch's The Game, and I think this is great. And I watch it again, and think, oh, come on, it means like thousands of people have to be in place. <laughs> this, it doesn't make me enjoy that film. And I love, and I love that film. I genuinely love that film because I'm able to go. Yeah. Yes, it makes in yeah. reality, it makes no sense. Yeah, but I'm here for the ride. And and I think that sometimes I think with Bond films. And, and this is the problem that I have with later with Bond films is with the later Bond films is it expects you to it wants you to be to, to sort of buy that it's grounded it's based in reality but at the same time it expects you to sort of 
to leap from one plot hole to the next and and I don't quite buy it's like you're either one or the other yeah, I, I just wish it would make it yeah, so just a few more points I wanted to make from my uh, from my awful notes. <laughs> During this sort of inquiry scene, we, we see a better side of Mallory, which is good. He, he sort of, you know, asks that we hear from um, rather than um, Helen McCrory's character sort of waffling on, which is a bit, a bit kind of strange. But um, the train crash thing is a perfect example of what Chris was just saying in terms of when I first saw it, I was like, whoa, whoa, you know, cool. And then when he starts to unpick it a bit, it's a bit like, well, I don't. Why, why did he, he? He'd planned that he would crash. He'd crash that train if, in case anyone was following him. I don't know. It doesn't really make an awful lot of sense. But I don't really. I don't really care. And uh, oh, now I'll, I'll only be able to think of wrongfully accused. But I, I uh, thankfully, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't at the time. And um, there are just a few other things I, I wanted to mention if I can uh, trawl through these notes. Yeah. The whole thing about him being dressed as a policeman, I assume that's so that he could get into the inquiry without without needing ID or something. What, why is that? Why he was a policeman so he can get around town easier? Uh, possibly. I don't know. I mean, I suppose a policeman's a better dis- when you've got peroxide blonde hair. You know, you're quite visible. So I suppose a policeman's a generic job that you can cover in, but it does. It's also convenient that also you'll be able to get into the inquiry. So I think you're just supposed to kind of just go along with oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, mean, I, I generally do. Yeah. I generally yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. I don't know whether I, there was more, a more specific I, reason for no, this uniform so. than than that. I don't think so. The only the thing about the, the change tracing him. Obviously, it also looks a bit like the Coronation Street thing when the tram came down on. The hell of the day. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know which inspired which inspired the other. But there was more terror in that, I'll tell you. Sure. Okay, forget the suspend disbelief, but he doesn't really. He's not that bothered about Bond, is he? So why has he gone to all this trouble for Bond now? It seems to have changed a bit from only being bothered about him. I'll shut up. Math, you've got some. You've got some other bullet points you made. <laughs> so I, I've, I've come now to when he, when Silver arrives and uh, and starts shooting them, and then he comes face to face with them. I th- you know, and it is quite an interesting moment. He has already seen her, but I think it's the fact that he has this opportunity to kill her, and he sort of just freezes in the moment, which I think is quite an interesting little uh, mm. little okay, thing that yeah. happens there. And then again, a bit more of Mallory coming to the rescue and or seeing the good side of him, not. Uh, I can't say I want to see Daniel Craig winking at him like, "Don't worry, I won't shoot you." I'll, uh, but that's no, maybe no, just no. just because it's you know I don't, winking at you <laughs> now superior is a bit weird. What makes uh, you think it's his first? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. So and and then and you also get a bit of Money Penny showing her her skills as a field agent. Yeah, I, 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 I like it, and I like I like the way that this all you know it's like almost like a real time not a montage, but you know what I mean. All these things happening at the same time, and then all crescendoing to the same place. Uh, yeah, I, I I think it is. I think it is really good. I think I think the music is probably the weakest part about it, and it, it could have been more epic. There could have been more Bond theme, but there could have been more exciting music or atmospheric music for the whole thing. Yeah, I, I I do agree, Math. The music to me again is a poor man's Hans Zimmer score. Dun, dun, I, dun. Find, I find it. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it's very much going down the Dark Knight route again. Um, just a few things <laughs> I've got. Yeah, again, 
Bond's shooting is absolutely abysmal, isn't it? When um, <laughs> when you're a horrible shot. When, when, yeah, he's just so bad. Uh, when Silver's climbing up that thing, and he's just like miles off. And then also, you've got Silver mocking the radio, saying he got it from the latest toy shop, which is a nice bit of mockery of Q's invention. I'll, I'll yeah. all that. I think it. I think it climaxes really well with Dame Judy uh, reading Tennyson uh, while the scene's going on. I do think it yet again has touches of Christopher Nolan about it uh, in terms of let's have a a voiceover whilst action's going on. I do think that period, uh, I can really, especially the end, you think of the end of The Dark Knight with... um, Gary Oldman in his speech there's very much those kind of references to me and then we get to the shot of and as I said before it's Mallory who saved the day you've had Tanner bless him just trying to tell Dame Judy all the time (laughs) you know like we need to go we need to go and then the minute he comes in Tanner just hides under the table and uh, it's Mallory who has to save the day and bless him I love the bit about the fire extinguishers I think that's a really inventive little point let's fire the fire granted it doesn't need the camp wink but firing the fire extinguishers (laughs) so you can't see just a lovely little do not knock (laughs) yeah just a lovely little touch that as well I think the inquiry scenes all in all superb the actual Tennyson poem itself you're a fan of sort of having a poem read out like that I know it is a bit Gary Oldman isn't it as uh, the narrator almost of the piece. My late husband was a lover of poetry, but I don't, it's trying to be artistic a bit, isn't it? Yeah. Being a bit sniffing. Yeah. It yeah. works in the whole. It works. The music sort of goes more grand, grander then almost. I'll give it that credit. It sort of stops and the brass comes in because it's trying to be regal, isn't it? And pomp and circumstance again. And a bit keeping the British head up, sir. <laughs> but Craig. Uh, <laughs> We then see Craig doing a sort of Ethan Hunt run, don't we? Before and then before oh. he gets there, yeah. Silver's mission has been a complete failure, then, hasn't it? Unless, like you say, he he freezes and he can't actually do it. I quite buy if that's true and that if that was the intention, then I like that. I like that a lot more. I, I buy that. So I'll give John the benefit of the doubt. You know, it's, John made this film. It's his film. <laughs> <That's it. Yeah. laughs> I tell you what, I mean, I, I'm an obsessed with this film, and I'm going to give it you does, the score. Sorry, but if, if we had Chris Goldie as the uh, other screenwriter, we might have had a, a near perfect <laughs> film. <laughs> yeah, it would. Yeah, yeah. I always basically just like tied up all the knots that have needed to. It's like Chris, forget Purvis and Wade. We've got it sussed here at really double O Seven podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to read some of you guys' screenplays. I know Math's done screenplays, Chris has done screenplays, and Rob has done. I know Rob has uh, you know, had, had a quick dabble at doing the a James Bond one, so I'm, who knows, we may get to read read aloud uh, from Roger and his lovely <laughs> warm brown voice. I might get to, might get to hear well, some of those. Multiple well. parts. Yeah. <laughs> Dramatisation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Riveting uh, radio, that will be my word. Yeah, Q's got a Scrabble mug. I'd written that down. That's that's not interesting at all. Don't know why I'd put that. 
Tanner is sipping a Heineken. Yeah, that is. I hope you got that. I oh I I got that. Yeah, that, that is so baby. That is just baby work in your side. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not someone who's overly bothered about you know ridiculous advertising in uh, in films. That was a bit like. Wait, what? <laughs> just got a bottle of Quick, like, we need to put one more in. We contracted to do another yeah. Heineken shot. Oh, Bill Tanner, what? Yeah. In his suit and any fight, what? Put, what? put that bottle oh, in his hand. It's right too late now. We're going to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah Give that man a Heineken. It's hilarious, isn't it, that the two parts of advertising of Heineken are James Bond half naked with a woman in bed and Tanner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Beer for all seasons. <laughs> Be like Tanner. Have a Heineken. Oh, yeah. Poster boy for no time to die. If you're enjoying the Really 007 podcast, why not follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter? Effective immediately. We're not a country club, 007. Right, I'm afraid, guys, we've, we've come to it. We've come to... Well, Silver's got away in his car, which means he must have had those policemen helping him, undercover policemen. So therefore, Bond has got to chase him. And what is he going to use? Well, he thought, I quite like that film Goldfinger. I've seen Sean Connery was in that film Goldfinger, and I knew he had a, a nice car hidden away somewhere. So I'll see whether he's still got it somewhere. Go on, go on, John, you go first on this one. You defend the use of the, the same number plate as in Goldfinger. And it's taxed I it having, as well. It's got a I, I, I genuinely can't believe I'm having to defend it. This is a 50th Bond anniversary film. The last time, <laughs> with the last time we saw the the DB5, he'd won it in a poker game on Casino Royale. Now we've got. I, mean, I, I, I love Casino Royale, but that's that's sacrilege. But now we've got a proper use of a DB5. The minute that came on in the cinema with the Bond music blurring, I was like a little kid again. That, to me, was a cinematic experience. And and I, I can't believe I'm going to have to try and defend it. What more do you want in a 50th anniversary Bond film than to have the DB5 with the gadgets? What more do you want, really? I, Please tell me who he's got a problem with this. This is this is sensational. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, I don't, I don't, I don't have a massive problem with it. Um, I get what you're saying, John. It, it, it's a little bit like you know when you're a Bond fan, or whether you're a bit like me, or it's like, right. So hang on. So that's this was a rebooted Bond. I'd, I'd even I'd forgotten about the casino. <laughs> you know, he'd won it in a. He won the Millennium Falcon from Lando Calrissian. Uh, sorry, he'd won the... Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, forgetting that. I've forgotten about that. I don't know. It's just it's just a bit... <sighs> I don't know. They had we, we, we did have, we did have um, the DB5, didn't we, in GoldenEye at the start with the... Oh, beautiful music from Eric Serra. Yeah. I'm not that bothered, and there's a little joke with the, um, you know, with the ejector seat and everything. Yeah, I, it, it's it's Good it's guess. a nod. It, yeah, it's a gag. I'm all right with it. I'm 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 not going to I'm not going to start kicking off about it. <laughs> but Chris, on the other hand, might <laughs> it have wasn't to... in. Uh, the Come dark. on, lads. Brace yourselves. 
Brace well, yourself. I think <laughs> I think I I don't I, 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 I love I love genuinely love the fact that the 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 Bond drives up to Scotland in an Aston Martin. On paper, that is brilliant. I love that, but the fact that it is the Aston Martin from Goldfinger is is too knowing. <laughs> yeah. you know, this isn't this isn't Die Another Day, um, where it's all like, oh, here's my book of you know bird watching written by James Bond. You know, it, it, again, <laughs> it, it, it it's trying to have its cake and eat it. If it was just that, you know what, Bond has his flat in London and he has his family estate in Scotland and in a shed somewhere, you know, an allotment. He has an Aston Martin because it's a family heirloom or something. I, 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 I buy that. I buy it. I will, I, will, I will happily go. But the fact that we get reference to ejector seats, that later on you get the whole kind of shooting, you know, it's too much. It's too on the nose. Given the, what everything that's preceded, that, that is, this is trying to be a gr- grounded bomb. This isn't like, as I say, it's not dying of the day. It's not. Let's. It, this is an anniversary edition of a film where we. It's not dying of the day. No. Everything. <laughs> Shut up, Tom. <laughs> that it isn't. I'm going. Um, I'm going. <laughs> and you're doing well, Tim. That it isn't. You know. <laughs> That green car, yeah, flips over, didn't <laughs> he? Anyway, that it isn't like you know, like here's a reference to this, here's a reference to that. If it didn't, if it was, if it was that he had went to his allotment and this is my the, the family car and we drive off to Scotland, <laughs> fine, I'm, I'm, I'm great, great scene. I'm I'm there, but the fact that it has a reference to the ejector seat, so therefore M knows. It's, it has an ejector seat. He knows it has an ejector seat, and also they know what that's in reference to. It pulls me out of the film. It, suddenly, it's like I'm thinking, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. golfing. That's really good. That film, and that was great scene." And <laughs> hang on a minute, how does that how does that Rather tie that. into what I'm watching now? Because this is Bond, sort of new, but also saying that he's old and he's got tired knees and everything. And and, and this is this is the problem that I have with the film. <laughs> it should just be. Here's an Aston Martin. Let's drive to Scotland. That's it. As in, here's your, you know, your, you know, here's here's your gun. That's enough. I don't need to have a palm reader that also with the gun. Because if I'm right, in Goldeneye, we just see this the Aston Martin, but I don't know whether it's meant to be the same one. And there's certainly no reference to an ejector seat. Is that is that right? Yes. Yes. It's Bond's car. It's just it's just the car. It's not it's not it's not tight. It doesn't have the baggage of referencing another film, and that's what I prefer because this isn't gold. He isn't the same Bond. You can't you can't have it both ways. Is my point. <laughs> <laughs> but John, it's got some lovely champagne with his uh, driving instructor in Goldeneye, hasn't it? And a, a very underrated driving instructor. But, uh... <laughs> very underrated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I do, I, I can't, I do, I get what you're saying again, but I think that you've got to remember that. To me, you've had certain points in the Bond franchise that have been incredibly pivotal moments. Spy Love Me was one where it could have gone completely wrong because of the man with golden gun or the issues with Saltzman and Broccoli, and they pulled it back with that. The next one was prob- possibly Goldeneye. I don't because of the long because of the long delay, and then there was Casino Royale because of um, 
because of die another day and all and and also and also with that the pressures of what was also going on at the cinema at the time i don't think you can underestimate what a monumental cock up the producers have made that from having one film that is completely acclaimed as a big one to just one film after everybody thinking that it's gone so far removed from bond so i do think that because it's a 50th anniversary film they are deliberately trying to put these references in. I do agree that with Sam Mendes as a director, you are obviously trying to go for a reasonably serious film, uh, which is going to get critical acclaim. And obviously with some, some numpties were going on about Oscar nominations at the time, which is just way off. But what I would say is, is out of the four <laughs> Craig films, out of the four Craig films, it's by far and away the most fun. And actually, to me, it's the least serious. Whilst I agree with your point, Chris, I can't disagree with it. I actually think that they had no choice but to do it because of where they put themselves in the franchise. They had to bring back the fans. And I'm one of those fans who sat there in the cinema and I just came out and went, thank you, I've got my bomb back. And for me, one of those reasons was the Aston Martin. All the criticisms I've heard tonight, I've got to put my hands up and say, I can't disagree. Critically, you're spot on. You're all spot on. But this is the Daniel Craig film, to me, that understands what it is to be Bond far more than any of the others. And for that, I will be grateful. You you are right, John. Like we said, that Spectre almost undid a lot of the hard work of Skyfall. The fact that they've got the Aston Martin again in that just sort of undoes the undoes the sort of effect of seeing it in Skyfall. I don't. I think he's got it again, hasn't he? In No Time to Die. So that's that's like a given now, isn't it? The audience expects it. Apparently, that's that's what they think. I would say though, going back to you know they need it. I agree with you that they needed to get back to Bond being Bond. The sort of those little those little beats that make him Bond. You could say some of those are there, which includes the car. But after there was nothing like this needed in the Roger Moore era. Roger Moore never needed to have a nod and a wink back to. Sean Connery, did he? I know he was playing differently. The tone was different, but like you say, the way they get out, they get out of trouble. Not that I think Man with the Gun, the Gun is is a bad film. We'll, we'll go into that. They didn't in the Spy Love Me show. All oh, right, we'll just get him in the uh, Aston Martin, did they? They thought no, let's make a really good film with a really really memorable opening, and they 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 made an original way out of it rather than. I'm not as angry, you know. I'm not angry about this at all. It's not. I don't mind it that much. But it's it's lazier, isn't it? It's a lot. E- it's a lot easier as a filmmaker to reference things you know the audience will like, other rather than let's do an amazing stunt, let's do something really incredibly memorable. And to that extent, Skyfall, I still think though, it does have more memorable scenes and moments in it, certainly than any of the of the Craig's, bar possibly Casino Royale. So I'll, I will give it that credit. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite 
of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I, I think his silence speaks volumes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm sorry, John, again. Okay, Bond, a few films ago, <laughs> had begun a mission in London, had some issues with M, and then headed to rural Scotland. So we've uh, we've done that before in, in Twine. Of course, that was all at the start of the film. So, you know, it's just slightly different. I do, I do agree with Chris that it is nice to see Bond going, uh, driving to Scotland. Menes is clearly trying to, like you said, John, it's reversing the... Bond finds out who the villain is, meets him at the lair, has a big shootout, and a load of bad guys die and all that. You've had the big scene, the big sort of set piece, haven't you, just now? And it gets more low-key and personal, and it's like a M in danger third act, isn't it, now? And for the purposes of that in the plot, whether or not you like it, it's a good idea, I think, to go to Skyfall, is is the name Skyfall? Is that in any of the books? I've never. I don't know. Was it made up for the film? It's not in any of the uh, like young Bond type novels. I'd... Um, yeah, I've, I've, I don't know. I'd, I, I've assumed that they made it up for this film, but I might, I might be wrong about that. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say that um, this this inspired me to uh, with Harry and a couple of other mates to do our own little road trip to Scotland. And we went to Glencoe, where oh, some of it was filmed, and then went oh, to all the yeah. other places because Scotland is just such a nice country and it's unbelievable. And the fact that you know, particularly when you live in the north, you can drive there pretty easily. You know, it's it's not as far as from London. You're half um, there, right? Yeah. So, you know, again, the film did have an effect on me in that way as well. It made me want to go go to Scotland and and see these beautiful places because it and, and again, it's shot really well. Do you think Bond and M's they slept in the car on the way, or do you think they, t- they got a travel lodge? Do you reckon? What do you think? <laughs> Sorry, Premier. That's that, that's really annoying. I'm, I don't believe anything. Don't. <laughs> we, we clearly from obviously Bond and M they get out of the car. I don't know. Are they looking at Skyfall when they get out of the car? And there's a very Mendes long shot, or they're just sort of on the way in Scotland. There's a few, quite a few very long shots in the film. We've got this one. We have the one, of course, Bond as Silver approaches at his entrance. There's quite a few. There's a, a very long shot of weirdly at the National Gallery where Hugh and Bond are chatting. But it's quite. It's like one of his director's tropes, isn't it? I think it worked. It does work well in this, and the, the sort of it looks a bit more arty, doesn't it? It looks a bit more glamorous and the mist, and it's like what's to come. We're, we're looking forward to this finale. Yeah, I think for for, for me, it is I, I, it's, it's just great. I think for, for you know the, the the driving up to Scotland, you know the sort of the references to his heritage, the reference to to 
you know, his past and everything is is, is great. It's interesting. It's, suddenly it becomes, this isn't what I signed up for. I was expecting was, you know, Silver's going to have some massive building where we all have to go to and it's going to explode at the end. Obviously, Skyfall does explode at the end. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, it, it, it is an attempt to do something different. And this is, again, I sound like a broken record, that the, there's so much about Skyfall that I, I think is is great and is genuinely interesting. It just doesn't, it just doesn't live up to the expectations. I think maybe my expectations. I think I would love to see, you know, it just be a bit more interesting, just just more depth to it, just more originality, just you know, just something a bit more about it. It just, you know, I feel like. This is, well, it has been re-reviewed <laughs> in Wade, you know. It's, there was a great script here. There was a great ideas. There was there was so much going for it, and it, it, it sort of just falls short of my expectations, mm. and it, I find it compelling, but also really frustrating because the idea of Bond and M driving up to Scotland in an Aston Martin is great. That's, that's that's I want that I'm 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 completely behind that for them to have for him to arrive with his shotgun and go all sort of country you know and you know rustic with his barber jacket is brilliant I love it I, I yeah. genuinely love it. it it's like sort of back to basics kind of bond but it I don't know it it just misses the mark for me and I, and that's why I have a real kind of love hate relationship with this film is that there's so much that I love about it but it just misses what I want it to, to hit. So that's why I find it frustrating. I was going to add on about my obsession with Bond's barber jacket. I think uh, I think this is the best that Daniel Craig looks oh. in the whole of the series, to be honest, with the little scarf and stuff. I think if Daniel Craig looked like that all the time... Craig, Craig does... Ba- yeah, he does, he does <laughs> casual better than he does hmm. yeah. smart, I think. Well, yeah. he, he looks better he in a kind of like... Because he's still hench, isn't he? <laughs> he even donned the uh, the tracksuit and Adidas Gazelles earlier in the film pretty well, didn't he? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I like how we don't really get an awful lot of detail into his past. We we just it's mentioned, isn't it, briefly that they're dying. I'm of a the old fashioned type where I don't really want to hear you know, chapter and verse. Cause it, it, you want a bit of mystery towards the character as to why Bond is why he is. I know that I think they've explored it too much in the Craig films, but I'm all right with it here because, of course, that will be touched upon. It has been touched upon briefly in other films. Bit of blasphemy from uh, M. Yeah. Christ, no wonder you never came back. So this mansion in the middle of nowhere in lovely Scotland isn't good enough for you. I mean, who do you, who do you think she is? Is it beautiful? Yeah. I hated the place, apparently. Privilege. Privilege, but yeah, I, I agree that it's, it's been abandoned. So what? So what's Kincaid been doing? He's not been a very good custodian, or is it? Or is he lived somewhere else and he's just he's just come round for a you know a cup of tea or something? I don't know. <laughs> a bit like The Shining as well. The approach, the the, the opening crawl to The Shining. Obviously, it, it wasn't going for that probably, but <laughs> just another brilliant film that you think of. <laughs> John, this was uh, Purvis and Wade's idea. It was their it was their idea that. Instead of the layer, the villain's layer, this was Bond's layer. Give them credit for that. I quite, I think that's a, a tick for for the, the the twosome. Anyone who makes the world is not enough obviously has some gold in them. It's just been buried for a long time. 
But uh, well done for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm very sorry to have to do this to you again, though. But the house itself was uh, was built from scratch. Yeah. Not not at Pinewood. Yeah. Uh, somewhere in England. It wasn't in Scotland, unfortunately. Probably near the studios. And obviously, they got lots of fog to to sort of probably cut out all the buildings of the band. <laughs> but it's still it's still an impressive looking set. There's no way you'd know that. There's no, it, there's no suspension disbelief on this. We've mentioned him just then. Kincaid, we mentioned him at the start with, Welcome to Scotland. This this was for me. I think it's been, it was mooted, wasn't it? I, I think it was clearly intended for Sean Connery. It must have been, I think. I think Purvis and Wade particularly couldn't have, they couldn't resist this. The fact that he's gone back to Scotland, it's the 50th anniversary. There's a, a cameo at the end, which was pretty much veiled in secrecy where it all began you know it, it, it could almost be perfect and of course he wouldn't look like bond he'd be an old man they have the producers did admit that this was a possible idea but they deny they've always denied attempting to cast him so like we said before Connery came out of retirement only for the from Russia with love game that's that's all he seems to have done in terms of acting in inverted commas since um what was it leave extraordinary gentlemen anyway either, either way they couldn't get him so they I mean, I think maybe maybe they thought the stunt casting might detract from from the story. I think that's probably what that's the defence that they would give. I I, I do agree. I, it does seem because the character's not all that pivotal to, uh, and uh, he sort of provides a link to to the past to Bond's past, and you know he's aware of Bond's past and everything. But it, I think it could be that that it it was supposed to be. And um, I remember when when Mum and Dad went to watch uh, watch this film, they went with their friends uh, Brian and Kath. And uh, after watching it, Dad said, "Oh, you know, Brian made a good point. He said, you know, I think that could have been that could have been Sean Connery who, uh, who could have done that role. So, you know, if they can think of it, um, you know, uh, then maybe maybe a lot of people can. I'm glad they didn't. It would take you out of it so much. It would be like, hang on, what? what? Like, so is he supposed to be a relative of Bond? Is that supposed to be a different? You know, is that or is it just? You know, I think it just takes it out of you too much." And you know, I'm glad he yeah. did because um, I love Albert Finney, and you know, it's great to have him him in a Bond film. So yeah, so I'm glad. I, I, you know, it's nice to give mum and dad another shout out as well. We, the the problem is, there's absolutely zero chance that they'll, they'll be listening. Certainly not 15 hours into a Skyfall uh, <laughs> review. So, anyway. Hello, mum. James. James Bond. Is that is that a deliberate <laughs> reversal of the the line? As opposed to Bond, James Bond. Oh, nice. Anyway, I don't know. The theory of uh, it, if it was Connery as an older Bond figure, that would have explained that he was bringing back the Aston Martin that he had in the 60s, wouldn't it? That would explain why Bond was bringing the previous Bond's uh, car back. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Naughty. Slap on the wrist, Tom. Slap on the wrist. We see two lovely black Labradors, which, uh, which I'm a big fan of uh, those dogs. Lovely black Labrador, so I'm glad Bond uh, and Kincaid have what? them. Whoa, 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 I think whoa, we mentioned whoa. it. In, wait, 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 Tom, <laughs> Tom, where are these black Labradors? I don't remember this at all. I've seen, I've seen the film. I don't like, remember that. Do you not remember? Times. No. No. Okay, well, I've written that down. I, I've written it down. I'm sorry. I saw them. No. I'm pretty sure there's no dogs in the third act. Okay, right. That yeah. is amazing. That, any that listeners, is can you? Hang on, I... Yeah, any listeners, can you please look out for some black Labradors and <laughs> screenshot and 
If they're not there, we'll cut this bit, or you'll we'll keep it in and make it look stupid. <laughs> I vote the last two options. <laughs> yeah, um, no, definitely. No, I've got a I've got a picture of it right here. I have never noticed before, but there are two black Labradors standing next to King K. Oh, there. Oh, I don't. You know, this I'll is the actually in the film though. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. This is yeah, but thing. I would have said it. No, I have no. I've no. Never seen a dog. Yeah, I have never did, noticed that in my life. It's like the did Jaws's girlfriend have a brace? It's one of these myths of James Bond. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it heck? It's, it's a much more boring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but John, much more interesting. We we mentioned it in the M episode. Pleased to meet you, Emma. Yeah. So we do get oh. her name. We do get Emma's name. <laughs> No, it's not. It's not. Shut up, Joe. Her name's Olivia. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Yeah. I've always thought it was Emma. I always thought it's Olivia. Olivia Mansfield. Oh, for goodness' sake! Oh, she just got a stutter then. Yeah. This will stay in. This will stay in. I don't mind. Yeah. Oh, who's that? Pleased to meet you, Emma. Yeah. <laughs> With his Labradors. <laughs> right. He definitely he definitely said this. He definitely said this. Trying to stop me, you jumped up little shit. Mm. Not sure. Not sure. Putting this place. Albert Finney, lads. We must be huge fans of Albert Finney. I know he's not in it much, but and he sadly died uh, a few years ago, mm. but gosh, he's been in some incredible films. Never got an Oscar. Absolutely ridiculous. I think he was nominated about six times. But I, I don't know how well-known he is these days by younger people. He probably isn't that well-known. The fact that he's in so many different roles. and like when he, Even when he was Scrooge, he must have been 40 maximum, made to look 70. It's so weird. <laughs> A bit like Max von Sydow in uh, The Exorcist. He couldn't have been that old. <laughs> Just made to look old for some reason. He's such a great actor. He's, 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 and also, I like that he even tries to sort of hide behind the Scottish accent. He's such most well, true Salford. <laughs> Welcome to Scotland. Yeah, it's like yeah, he can't yeah. even pull out. <laughs> he's, he's great. Welcome he to Scotland. A bit. It's <laughs> he, <laughs> like he's got he's, he's got a few teeth loose. You know what I mean? Sort of, sort. Yeah. It's it's so nice to see him appear in something so mainstream, you know, late mm. in his career. I think it's it's, true, it, it, it is, and it, it, he's, uh, you know, and it, there is. I like that that you know, with him calling M Emma. Obviously, you missed that, but uh, you know, <laughs> I like the idea that he's that he's oblivious to it and he, you know and, and 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 he probably gets stuck in as well he, you know he starts you know he's like yeah. he takes down a few henchmen you know he's not oh, yeah. not best about and also he he survives yeah. i was hard when i watched it i thought yeah, oh, he does, I'm gonna, yeah. he's gonna get shot in the face or something and it's gonna be like something really traumatic because this is daniel craig but no actually he survives you know this is yeah <laughs> heartwarming. Well, rob would rob would argue that He's, you know, I'm sure Rob would say he's surprised that Bond didn't probably kill him himself and then stuff him in a skip, um, like he does with, you know, Matisse in uh, Question of Sport. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, but yes, Albert Finney, 
coming One, wonderful actor wonderful to see him in this um, uh, he often has a real warmth to him uh, I don't know you've, mm. a lot of his characters are really you're really drawn to and really like I don't know, I just love him I mean the obviously the elephant in the room is that he was in the Bourne series mm-hmm. and yet the contrast between the characters that he plays in that and the character he plays this is superb because obviously he's one of the mm, main villains yeah. in the Bourne series and he's absolutely unrecognisable. You know, stick a beard on him and he just looks completely different compared to them. Um, I, I was thinking about this just then. I was thinking, where would he rank in terms of Bond allies? You know, I, I wouldn't know where I'd be able to put him at. Because he's so different from any of them. I, I mean, you, you've mentioned Mathis, Math, and I think that's the only other one I can think of, that that older kind of ally. But the difference is, is that this is an older ally who's not a hindrance. He's fully stuck into the action. And let's be honest, Bond probably couldn't fulfil this mission without him, really. If, if he didn't have the guns, I, I, they presume they're from him. If they got there and Kincaid wasn't there and there were no guns, that's it. It's all over, isn't it? What, they went all that way. <laughs> Unless they had some in the boot of the Aston Martin, they would have been screwed, wouldn't they, with the firepower of silver in his men? I assume a lot of that's household stuff that was already there. <laughs> recently, recently was the Bordan Entity, which ends with a scene in farmland with the main character with a double, you know, with a sawn off, with, with a shotgun, killing the villain. And I thought, oh, that seems quite familiar to, to this, mm. but <laughs> maybe not that. <laughs> you know, not not the two obvious ones of Straw Dogs and Home Alone, the Born Identity. This is I mean, I, can I just like? It is. Can I just? Can I start on the Home Alone thing just to get a head start? Yeah, is please, that okay? Please. I don't have a problem yeah, have with it, and actually, I think it's pretty ingenious because I think if you if you don't if you're in a house where you have no weapons apart from Kincaid's two guns, and then you have the unbelievable um, DB5, you've got to use what's there. And I actually think the idea of just using nail bombs and all the rest of it, a bit of sticks of dynamite, I love it. It's great. I I, I get that it's a blatant ripoff. But so many Bond films have been. It's a problem when a story is trying to rip off the Bond uh, story. Like the you know the Dark Knight is a bigger problem to me than, than the Home Alone is in this film. Oh yeah. Like Spectre, the, the Mission Impossible aspect. You're taking the story, and why that's a bigger problem is is because it's not respecting Bond. It's not it, again. It's getting to that place, and you, you're forgetting that you're Bond. You hold the trump card. You're trying to be somebody else. But, but throughout so, so many of the great Bond films that we love, especially the Roger Moore era, it's renowned for taking pop culture references and adding them into the script, adding them into the style. In black exploitation films were popular, so Live and Let Die comes in. Uh, Bruce Lee and Enter the Dragon, so they go with that with The Man with the Golden Gun. Then you've got Jaws, Jaws Mania in 1975 and all of a sudden this spy movie comes back and they put sharks in and they have a bad guy called Jaws. Star Wars it's 1977, they go that for Moonraker. But it doesn't detract from the greatness of those films because it's still ultimately James Bond. And I, I think 
I think that they pull this off here as well. I, it's not like Quantum of Solace. Where I mean, oh, this is just Jason Bourne ripoff, and and it's losing the identity of Bond. I think that it's taking a concept from a film like um, Home Alone and doing it in a Bondian way, <laughs> and I fully buy into it. I have absolutely. In fact, I'm going to even go further. I actually really like it. The obvious criticism would be, again, why on earth would he go with M somewhere where he knew Silver would probably think they'd go, not tell anyone, and go somewhere where he's completely unprotected and there's a high chance that she's at bigger risk. But I agree, for the purposes of the cinematic experience, it's really good. I can't I can't deny that. And I and I I like to say I mean maybe the only criticism of that is instead of seeing Em and Kincaid doing all the tricks and walking around at half pace with bombs going off, I'd probably rather see a bit more Bond and Silver in the house maybe. But of mm. course that that can't quite happen because I like that Silver arrives afterwards, almost like as an afterthought. He'll get he'll get his goons to clear the place up, trash it, and then he wants to deal with it, assuming that she didn't die. <laughs> yeah, what would have happened if she died? Then he couldn't have had a chat with her or anything. But, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Tom, I, I, I'm sure you want to talk about. I know we discussed it in the M episode, the F bomb. Um, yeah, that Emma. Yeah, I've got it on my notes. Um, which Do I don't know. I just I get the feeling oh, stuff well. like that is right. It's uh, twelve. It's PG thirteen in America. You know, PG thirteen, so we're allowed an F F word. And I think it'd be really cutting edge if we if we put it in uh, if we put it in a Bond and we had M saying it. You know, she's been swearing all all the way through the film, all the way through the Daniel Craig era. So she yeah. can do it anyway. So I'm not a big fan of it. Um, yeah, just the point that you made about what if you know he, silver comes in the second round second wave with the predator helicopter with the music blaring out i'm not saying it's a rip-off i'm i'm just saying that it just sort of brought that back to me a little bit um <laughs> you know what i mean the scene from the start of predator where they go down in their helicopter yeah. with long tall sally yeah but, but anyway yeah my um i can't believe that i'm referencing him again but my mate charles allison who came up with the you know the dame judy that that <laughs> he he, you know, the thing, you know, oh, did you see Skyfall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't believe at the end, um, all, all the bad guys, you know, goons go and, you know, they're blowing it up and and firing rocket launchers and missiles and, you know, machine guns all the way through. <laughs> and then the bad guy comes out and says, nobody touch M, she's mine. Well, I mean, you've, uh, <laughs> you've, put, you've put her in real danger of being killed when you trying to blow the place up like, it's so ridiculous I mean I found it funny but that was his standout you know his standout comment but I think it's a fair it's a fair comment it's a bit strange that he says that nobody you know nobody touch her she's mine minor quibble again but when when just after she'd swore like a docker uh, Emma I think Bond Bond says that he's read his obituary so he was officially dead so he must have he must have uh that must have been published. So he was officially dead. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I think the score again lets it down a little bit. The action score from Thomas Newman. It's sort of a bit generic. For some reason, there's like 
oriental flutes in it. I didn't. I have no idea why they they were present. If you remember, do you, Chris, what do you think about the actual sort of indoor bits of the shootout? Do you think it was well well shot, well staged? Yeah, I think it. I think it sort of lives up to. Like you say, you can sort of be a little bit flippant and cut in it, sort of describe it as like Home Alone. But I think yeah, I think it's it's, it's, it's <laughs> a decent shootout. I think this this peril. I like the the priest hole, and you know the the you know that that sort of reference to the age of the house. I'm all there for Deacon's cinematography. The, the you know particularly when the the, the yeah, house yeah. is on fire and, mm. and and it's dark, but everyone is lit by the flames. Yeah. It is just this is you know, oh, you know this is some of the best cinematography in the Bond film. I, I, I like it. I, I, you know, again, on paper, I should be just, I don't know, just sort of dismissing it as being kind of silly. But I love the idea of it being kind of back to basics. That it is Bond with his, well, rather convenient that the only shotgun that wasn't sold was his father's. But you know, nitpicking. You know, the he is there, and he's like, you know letting them in and he's, he's picking them off and the, the M has something to do and she's got these sort of like booby traps with the the lights that are full of gunpowder and nails and whatever, what, what have you. It is, I, I, I really enjoy it. I think, I think as, a, as, a, as, a, as an end, kind of like that third act, it is really satisfying, you know, and it maybe isn't a underground layer or, you know, a volcano but for what it is, it works really well. And to see, you know, Daniel Craig wandering around in his barber jacket, shooting people in the face with a double barrel shotgun, I think it's I'm well behind that. And you know, and and also, you know, the the, the, the sort of low key, you know, with the, with, with them escaping through the priest priest hole and, and running off, and, and then Silver realizing that you know it's connected to the chapel. Again, that's on is is really good. I, I, I'm. I think this is where the film is really where it's working really well. That it isn't getting kind of you know being too ridiculous. It isn't being too fancy. It isn't trying to please everyone. It's just how are we going to get these characters from here to here, and the peril and there's something interesting happening, and. You know, suddenly bombs underwater in a frozen lake or a frozen pond. Um, I think, for me, this, this this final act is where Skyfall kind of really does come into its own. I do agree. I I, I like it a lot. I, I, I'm not saying, you know, that I, I do think it's interesting to have this as like Bond's layer and the villain coming to him rather than vice versa, which is the normal <clears throat> the normal kind of template for a Bond film. Of course, it does sort of mean a bit more about my quibble about more than a quibble complaint that the villain doesn't have an overall you know plan master plan and and I don't, I don't know maybe it's too much of a quibble to say I can't understand why his men would come with him to Scotland just to kill one uh, I don't you know it's not like it's not I like agree with you they've they're <laughs> got yeah. some big plan no, that they'll I, get I, loads of money from and, and yeah and, but good info to be honest I'm Dramatically, uh, yeah, it works. It, it, I, I don't want to talk too much yeah, about that because yeah, I, I that want point. the villain to have loads of, you know, loads of men and it to be, uh, you know, a, a, you know, it is, it is. I, I really like it and it looks absolutely stunning. Um, 
again, without meaning to, <laughs> I don't think the score's great. There's one bit that sounds really exactly like The Dark Knight or Batman Begins or something like that. And then I do think he brings in the um, the Bond theme and I don't think it quite works with the um, the, the shot and the editing. Like Bond looks up and he's like tie, he's tying some kind of um, gas canister that he's about to blow up. And the Bond theme comes in and I just don't think it quite works in that moment. I think, I think there are plenty of other moments that it, it could have come in. But I love that it's a very distinct third act, and and you know mm. it's just nice to have that in a in, a, in an action film. Yeah. Probably the prettiest looking James Bond act mm. of all time as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can't think of one, you know, that's, that tops it. Yeah, I agree. There's a, a frozen lake, like many of the Christopher Nolan films. So <laughs> no, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, no, I, I, yeah, yeah. I think no? this is, you know, the, the the arrival of the the, the helicopter with the music it, again is sort of it's not what you expect <laughs> from the Bond. It's not. No. This isn't. This isn't. You you expect the Bond villain just arrives and or is already there. It is. The, the, it's sort of trying to throw you off a little bit, and I think this is where whether it's through editing, whether it's through, you know, the original, you know, rewrites or something, there was something, uh, something really great here for this film. There's so many, so many sort of solid moments. And I think um, that it is a a shame that it doesn't quite, you know, again, it becomes minus kind of quabbles about like, oh, well, you know, again, as a Bond fan, do you want the massive exploding? You know, do you want the master plan that, that is the end of the world, or do you want something much, that's much more kind of personal? And it's M. Yes, I probably would prefer something more sort of personal and at smaller scale. Does it have to be M? Personally, no. I'd rather it wasn't because I feel like she's drawn into everything in the past kind of few films. Um, but what it does, it does really well for this for this bit. I think for this final act, he does, he does really well. Is the death of Silver unsatisfying? Yes, probably. But in the setting of this film, does it work well? I, I would argue, yes, it does. Can you imagine him blowing up Silver with a rocket launcher? No, it would throw you out of this film. But yeah. that, that sort of murder-suicide kind of ending is a natural progression it's maybe not the most satisfying but it is it just I, I understand where the writers were going with that and the filmmakers were going with it and it's up to you as a, as a, as a viewer to, to, to think that this is this satisfying or not see M die I think is you know is, is dramatic enough you know I think that, that's that's the payoff isn't it for the end of the film that's the final act is to see her die in, in, in Bond's arms for you know to have a sort of reference to Majesty's service you know with him what this mm. is the second time you've seen Bond cry yeah. is, it, is it dramatically enough again for the viewer I don't know it's whether you're invested and I think at times it's on paper I should be invested maybe not when I watch it but sometimes you know I think I, 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 I'm completely with them with what they're going for just before we get uh, Chris to the impact of M's death, there's there's a first of all there's a, a fight, isn't there, in, in underwater? Before that, though, I quite I really like it when Silver is stood on the banks of, say, the banks. It's, it is probably just a frozen pond, isn't it, on the grounds? 
and that one, yeah, Mama's calling. I, I thought I was, I don't know, I just love it. I, I just love Silver. Yeah. Mm. And sort of like you can see, there's a great shot, isn't there, of the Rosalind Chapel on on the sort of hills hillside, and you can see there's a nice shot again of uh, M and Kincaid. One, you know, well the the lights on, isn't it? So it's a yeah. He, he knows where they are. Bond can't sort of get there, and then we have this fight. The fight itself, yeah, it was. Again, it was in a think a you know one of those um, studios at Pinewood, an underwater studio, and then they sort of added the, a lot of the effects, a little bits of sh- uh, the shape of water, the how it, how it's shot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just being silly. I'm just being silly. Join us for the fifth and final part of our Skyfall review, where M dies and we assess the Daniel Craig performance in Skyfall. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.